queenscoffee.com, and from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Support for Radio Catskill come from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Hi, I'm Noelle King from NPR. After the year we've had, the prospect of a new year feels like both a relief and a daunting unknown. It might seem like a strange time to make New Year's resolutions when so much is in flux, but here at NPR, we're confident there's a resolution we can stick to. We'll bring you the news you need. Join in this commitment by donating to this station now. Here's how to do it. Please support Radio Catskill. Go to WJFFRate.org. Thanks. Hi, everybody. This is Greg on Travels with Triggs on WJFF. Travels with Travels with Travels with Triggs. Who's he gonna talk to now? What's he gonna talk about? Where we gonna go? Travels with Triggs. Hi, everyone. We're back. And today we are talking to Reverend Christine Sobania Johnson, an old friend of mine who is currently preaching in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And we're going to talk about faith during the holidays different approaches, keeping an open mind and an open heart so that both sides of the equation can be heard, discussed, and felt. So welcome, Chris. Thank you. This is uh, exciting to be here with you, Greg. Well, it's exciting to catch up with an old friend and get some work done at the same time. Uh, So very quickly, Chris, why don't you just tell everyone how we met? Oh, sure. So um, we've both of us go back to being Wisconsinites in our youth. And, uh, and, and Greg and I were, uh, actually we ran in a couple of similar circles. I don't know if he remembers this, but so we, we both grow up going, um, attending the same denominational church and going to summer church camp and stuff together. But we were also both, uh, theater geeks and such in high school and and my school his school our schools had uh what were called forensic teams public speaking teams and so i bump into greg on on a saturday at a high school someplace in southern wisconsin and uh and we'd be there to compete and and uh develop our speaking skills and acting skills and so that was fun so it was neat to cross-pollinated both of which appear to have paid off. Uh, we were so. also pen pals between uh, summers, between our, our yeah. church camp visits. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, for any of the families that are listening out there that think about sending their kids to church camp, I would encourage that. I think the foundation that gave me kept me away from all sorts of trouble. Yeah, we we had, uh, we developed good just just good people skills uh being together and 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 learning how to care for one another in a fun environment and i think getting away from home uh getting away from from your ordinary life uh lets you focus a little more on depth and on other human beings and and it's really developmentally positive and just being around caring adults that are not your parents i think mm-hmm is important as well. Now, one of the first things I want to ask you, because I'm always confused about this, is reverend versus pastor. I always wonder, do different denominations, you're Moravian, uh, does the Moravian church have a guideline about that? Is it up to the uh, individual? How is that handled? Well, I, I think from denomination to denomination, it does vary. The title is the reverend, um, 
but what we do, our, our task as church leaders is really to pastor, um, you know, to, to, to guide the flock. <laughs> so, so pastor um, does go to pasture or sheep. You know, it does. Yeah. It, it does. And so um, I, I usually don't mind if any of my parishioners just call me by my first name. I never go by the Reverend Christine, um, uh, you know, except when I'm signing professional letters and stuff. Um, I'll invite people to call me Chris. Um, usually parents will say, ooh, that's too casual. I want my kid to be able to to respect you. So so we usually agree on Pastor Chris. Um, so Chris or Pastor Chris. And- well, Pastor Chris, uh, <laughs> what, what inspired you to become a minister? You know, many say they have a calling or some sort of passion through which the church can provide an outlet. Uh, what was your inspiration? Well, a, a little of both, a, a little sort of just naturally who I was in the circumstances I grew up in, and a little bit of kind of the, um, prodding from God. Um, and so, um, I, I, you know, I, I was one of those kids who really related more to the adults in my life than my peers. So I, I would find myself conversing at, at pretty deep levels with my pastors and my mentors, my church camp counselors. Um, and, and and so I, and I just really enjoyed watching them and seeing what they did. And I was also kind of theatrical and kind of musical and loved literature. And, and, and it seemed to me that, well, if you get up and you talk in front of people every week, you know, you get to do, you get to use a little bit of all of that. So um, so really, it was just sort of an amalgam. It, it, it just came about of all all the gifts that I have, all the interests that I have. Oh, plus that interest in God business. And, well, um, when you when I heard you had become a minister, I was not surprised. Thank you. I, I did have a, a I would call it a holy moment when I was about fifteen. Um, I, I was I was a, an angry teenager for a little while. Um, we my family had moved and I didn't know anybody in the neighborhood. You know that's a lousy thing to do to a fifteen year old. And so I was I was ticked and I was yelling at God someday one day and was, you know you you must have a really great purpose for me if you're going to make me endure this horrible summer of my life yelling at God sort of moment and. And I prayed. I said, you know, this is so miserable. You have to give me some kind of answers. And uh, I went over to my shelf and I, and I, and I plucked a Bible off the shelf. And, and I, I said, I, I'm going to open this Bible and you're going to give me an answer. And, and, I, and I did. And I, you know, I went to point to the verse that was going to give me an answer. And, and instead of that, this piece of paper flew out of the Bible. And it said, it was handwritten. It was pencil writing, like on the ripped off corner bulletin. And it said, take up your cross and follow me. And I, I kind of folded the Bible back up and I kind of put it back on the shelf and I stopped yelling at God. And I got real quiet, real fast. And um, that was sort of the, <laughs> it was a very dramatic beginning of, yep, yeah, this is what we're going to pursue. Wow. Well, you got, you got a clear sign, that's for sure. Now I was pretty nasty about it. I was pretty demanding. <laughs> well, it seems like God came right back at you. Um, so let's talk for the people who might not know this. Tell them about your background in education, what kind of studying you had to do to get this title and the opportunity to become a pastor. Well, I will say that in our in in our Moravian world, and that that is a Protestant denomination. It's a really little one, and not everyone knows a lot about it. It's a little under like, the radar. Before we jump in, I'd like to share my memory of the creed of the Moravian Church, sure, which sure. is 
in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, charity, and in all things, love. Isn't that awesome? That yeah. Unity is everything, and, and most things we can just let go of. Yeah. I so appreciated growing up in a church like that. I, I fundamentally think I would be a different person if I had not been exposed to a, a place that lived that philosophy. It is, it's core. It's core. Um, God's love is everything to us. And, and you can put up a, with a lot. You can, you, you can let go of a lot of details when, when you recognize that's, that's what's central. So, so back but, to your education. Yeah. So it, but in our denomination, um, education is is really foundational to us. Um, in fact, one of our uh, one of our way back, way 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 back in the past, historical figures was John Amos Comenius, who is said he has often been called the father of modern education. And so he 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 was like the first person who said you should go uh, out in the woods and you know uh, observe observe the trees and the grass and the bugs and, and learn from that. And, and he was one of the first uh, folks to, well, he was one of the first folks to uh, allow girls, encourage girls to be educated. He, um, he invented recess. Good guy. Um, and, uh, um, and he, he, he kind of invented picture books um, to, to help children learn how to read. So, so he, he's, so, so education has always been really important. So our denomination, this isn't across the boards, but our denomination um, does require a, a undergrad degree. So I have an undergraduate, uh, I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin at Whitewater. It's in English. And then, um, and then we have a, you need a seminary degree. You need a master's degree. Master of Divinity is, is what it's called. Um, you can, you can get one of those at, at, at lots of grad schools, but, but the Moravian Church does have a grad school program in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. If I move my, um, my Zoom screen, or if I, if I, if I move my camera a little bit, uh, where we're talking, you could actually see the seminary next door to where I'm living right now. Um, but that was a three-year um, degree, uh, including um, internship stuff and on-the-job training. But, but yep. Basis Total of seven years program. education then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you are married to a fellow minister, also a Moravian minister. Yes. Uh, Daryl. Yes. And Darryl, yep. how do you guys manage a family, a marriage, uh, your extended family, and multiple churches? Well, I don't know. It's one of those you do what you do because you don't know anything else. So you you jump in with uh, both feet and, and you make it work. Um, yeah. So so Daryl grew up uh, again in a in a Moravian church in Ohio, and we have. I guess when we first started out, we met while we were in seminary. Um, so we both knew what we were in for, sort of, uh, when we got married. Um, and we started out, our theory was, well, let's go kind of back and forth between the part of the world you grew up in and the part of the world I grew up in. And so we would kind of take jobs, take calls to churches uh, kind of that way. Um, but for most of our time together, we didn't really live where we had family you know, in the backyard. So like there, there were no grandparents to sort of rate, help us raise our children and stuff. So, so it's a lot of juggling, but on the other hand, uh, you know, a, a faith community, a local church is uh, certainly has family components to it. 
And um, I'll tell you, when we lived in Madison, uh, the, in, in the church, we served the church that you grew up in, Greg. Oh, and, uh, and and I would I would actually go off to another church on Sunday morning. So so the the dear people at Lakeview Church in, in Madison just like you know, we just dumped our children on them <laughs> and they took care of them while, while helpless, you know, Daryl was, Daryl was a guy, you know, he, he, he certainly needed help with the kids. So they thought he was a perfectly competent father, but uh, yeah, I went to one church and my kids grew up um, in, in Sunday school uh, being tended to by, by our church family folks. So no, one thing I feel like we are, in a time where everything is contentious, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have two ministers in one family who may have different approaches. Do you find, or philosophies or opinions, do you find the debate is spirited and challenges you in a good way or is it challenging or both? Oh, interesting. Um, well, we've been married for 30, almost 33 years now. So you know, we've, we've kind of, um, we've kind of come to the middle. <laughs> so uh, we kind of think alike these days. Um, but, but certainly uh, how we relate to our other relatives, how we relate to people in the community, it's certainly not of one mind. Um, so we try to do a lot of listening uh, to each other. We try to do a lot of listening to whoever it is, is sharing their views. We try to cultivate empathy you know, we try to hear what's beneath the surface. I, I think sometimes so much of it is uh, these days is um, I'm saying this because my camp says this, my, you know, the side that I'm on says this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we always really even think it through. We, there's a lot of repeating what somebody else said these days. And so what I want to do is I want, I want to listen for that. Daryl wants to listen for that. What's under the surface of that? You know, what's, what's making you choose that position? Because it's probably not the thing. It's not the meme you're sharing on Facebook with me. It's, it's something deeper than that. And so what's your hurt? I think that's where we try to enter that debate a little bit. I think it's not everyone, always easy. <laughs> no, if everyone concentrated on listening a little bit more, I think, we could get past some of these impasses with more kindness and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Now, speaking of uh, issues, how have you mm -hmm. and your church and your community dealt with COVID? I mean, church, the separation of church and state has been so fraught lately. And how, how have you personally addressed, you know, preaching in the era of COVID? Well, for one thing, um, I started the church I'm serving now. I started at a year ago last week, so I wasn't there for very long before the you know the wheels fell off the whole world here, and um, so I I didn't even really have an understanding for how things got done, who was who. I, I still didn't really even know who my my people were, so that was really challenging uh, to come up against COVID. Then, um, I, in the state of Pennsylvania, even though we certainly faced uh, periods of, of lockdown. Nobody went anywhere. And then there were certainly periods of you're only allowed to have so many people. And do you meet indoors? Do you meet outdoors? All of those rules affected people in PA. And yet churches, uh, religious organizations were exempted from following them, which 
you might say, oh, yay, that, that makes it easy on you. And actually it didn't because we chose to be, we thought it was responsible uh, to adhere to the guidelines. So even though we didn't have to, um, we chose to. And uh, what we ended up doing, uh, the biggest concern was how do you, how do you keep connectivity uh, when you can't gather? And lots of, lots of my folks, um, probably typical, lots of uh, older congregations, the, the folks aren't necessarily tech savvy. Um, they may not have that available to them. And so even though, you know, I had plenty of people who, well, we, we learned how to Zoom for one thing. I didn't know what that was uh, <laughs> back in February. Uh, you know, so but so the people who could grab onto that, um, we've had a, um, a really robust, hearty uh, opportunity to meet on screen and, and continue some of the some of the fellowship, some of the prayers, some of the support system. But, but that huge concern for people who don't do that, who, who don't do tech, um, we ended up actually um, getting a transmitter and sticking it up in our church steeple. And, and we worship our Sunday, our regular Sunday worship service now takes place in our parking lot where everybody is in the, the safe bubble of their vehicle. And uh, I'm on the inside and a, and a couple of other key leaders are, are on the inside, like the organist. It's really hard to transport the organ out into the parking lot, you know. So uh, so we're on the inside and, and we make the service happen. Um, and, and folks just listen to it on their car radio. And um, so so that's been unique. It hasn't it, it's nobody's first choice, um, but it's it's gotten legs. It's gotten um, it's got its own charm to it. It's developed its own um habits and um it's quirky <laughs> but but it's but it's been working for us so we've well, been able yeah we've been able to worship and uh we have just now we're just joining the live streaming world and and that's new to us um uh, but our our worship services will from going forward uh be live broadcast um but i hope the parking lot thing doesn't go away because it, it meets the needs of of folks. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more discussion with the Reverend Christine Sylvania Johnson on Travels with Triggs. Travels with Triggs. Quiet candles burning, all yearning for the folks at home when Christmas time coming. All right, hi folks, this is Aldo, co host of Jambalaya along with Jesse Ballou. We take turns. And on behalf of Jesse and everybody here at WJFF, we want to wish you a very happy holiday season. And uh, thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and a happy new year. Christmas time to come WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. We are Radio Catskill. Listen to us on your smart speaker. Just ask your smart speaker to play WJFF Radio Catskill. We're back, still talking with the Reverend Christine Sobania Johnson. And Chris, there, we, we touched on it lightly, and now I'd like to go in a little deeper. The faith-based community has been such a political force for the last four years, and certainly everyone has the right to pursue their own religion, has the right to pursue their own opinions, but as someone who I think of as more open-minded, uh, 
then far right. How are you getting through this era of religion? And I imagine some of the people in your congregation feel more in that direction. How are you managing all these variables and getting through this difficult knot of a time? Yeah, it, it really is challenging. Um, and it, But I have to say it isn't just the past four years. Uh, the past four years have been a, a particular challenge. But there has been division in the church community and the Christian community for years and years preceding the last four years. And so um, I think it's, it's certainly ramped up um, and it's been more apparent. And it doesn't help to state your cause and state it louder than the other side. I, I mean, there shouldn't be sides. We should be on the same side. So I, I try not to do that. But uh, but there, but there are certainly differences in how we approach faith. And so one thing I think is really key is you, you can't make anybody else feel or think or understand any differently than they do. Uh, I'm not saying that that's, you should always just let it go, but, but really the best we can always do is work on ourselves. We, we can't make somebody else be who they're not. And I like to think that as we work on ourselves and how we relate in the world, um, somehow that rubs off. Uh, somehow change does come about. Um, so, you know, like I said before, we, we do like to practice empathy. We do try to hear what's, what's beneath the surface. That doesn't always uh, get you necessarily very far down the road, but it's important for me to try and understand you. And I hope that you would then try and understand me. And it's got to start somewhere. So it might as well start with me. Um, so that's that's one thing. I, I don't know. It's about um, practicing gratitude every day. Uh, anybody on any side of any argument can can practice gratitude. And hopefully that cracks you open uh, to being um a deeper person when you can look around and say, Hey, some, this isn't all at my hand. I I don't have what I have because of me, somebody bigger than me, somebody more gracious and more loving than me has allowed me to um, have all these blessings in my life. So it's really important to, to know those pay attention to those. And, and when I'm fuming, when I just can't stand it anymore because my neighbor put up a, a sign that I don't like and, and, I, and you know, I want to, I don't know, throw something at him, you know, I, I have to take my deep breath and, and step back and work on me and, and work on. And so gratitude is one of those things I, I revert to. I, I struggle sometimes as a, a gay man because religion is so often used against me. And yet I'm so grateful to have grown up in a religious community and have that foundation that balancing those things is difficult. And at times when I feel criticized by someone who doesn't even know me, I think, well, that's probably not about me. It's probably about some insecurity or deficit in your own life. And I kind of feel uh, sometimes that answer feels a little too pat to me. So I try not to just walk away from it going, well, that's about you, job done. But I do try to remember that I don't know what's going on with the people that feel or process things in a way different than I do. And, and, and so that's 
why, you know, on, on the side, uh, in, the, in the place that I'm at, I, I do try to, you know, work for justice. I, I do try to, to work for the betterment of the world, but it's probably not going to be by standing in the middle of the street and having a, a fight with the person who's not doing that. Um, well, and it's interesting. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, I work on the Big Eddie Film Festival with Tina Spangler and the group from DVAA. And I'm always learning something new from the films that we screen. And one was called Jimmy Carter Rock and Roll President. And in it, his son talks about his father being able to be a man of faith within the separation of church and state and within dealing with so many people who had different opinions because it boiled down to Matthew uh, 7, 1, which is do not judge so that you will not be judged. And I keep thinking that is something we as a nation need to rediscover. In general, I think people of faith kind of um, start out in two different places. And and one is that some people start out from this place of fear and this sensation that that they've always got to be um, currying God's favor uh, to be, uh, I don't know, to achieve whatever it is, if it's eternal life or whatever. But it's a fear-based thing. And so you, you've got to follow a lot, a lot, a lot of rules and never do anything, not do it wrong. I think... Lots of other folks uh, approach faith as a, you know, God loved me, God brought me into being, and there's nothing I can want to separate me from God's love. So I want to go through life doing beautiful things in, in God's honor, because uh, I'm good to go. I can't really make a mistake that's that God's not going to love me for. So I, I think right off the bat, we have kind of um, two groups of, of faithful people who don't understand each other necessarily and say, well, no, this is the way we do it. No, well, this is the way we do it. And the, the quote that I go to, the biblical quote I go to is when, when Jesus talks about what is most significant, it's, you know, that there are, there are a couple of things we need to do. The most important things are to love God and we show love for God by loving our neighbor and judging our neighbor is not, part of that. And so to step back from, from that judgment, to, to realize where I come from, that, 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 you know, God, God loves these people as much as God loves me, uh, is very holistic. And so that, that idea, I understand what it is to, to have folks, I don't know, look down on me, um, because I don't follow the rules the way they might. Um, but again, that's, that's not where I need to operate from. I need to operate uh, out of the center of love and that there's no room for judgment in that. Well, to me, it always feels as though God should be interpreted in terms of possibilities instead um, of restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's what I'm kind of what I mean. Thank, thank you for saying that. It's, it's um, as I view God, God is very expansive once we can understand God, God's not God anymore. You know, we've, we, once we can box God up and totally get what's going on there, then we're our own God or whatever. You know, God is so expansive. God is so abundant. There is no limit to how much God loves. There's, there's no, you don't have to fall with it. If you fall outside of the framework, it's not like there's not space for you to come back in. Well, you can't um, fall away from something that's infinite. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, to compete, uh, you know, it, judgment kind of suggests that we're competing for a couple of slots or something, and we're not. 
we're just not. Well, I think that's a wonderful thought to end on. It's, it's just been wonderful talking to you today. Oh, it makes my heart just, well, leap. It just makes my heart leap. <laughs> Which is what God should do, I suppose. So we're lucky that that's one of the things that unites us. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Reverend Chris, and everyone who has listened today to Travels with Triggs on WJFF. Donna Fellenberg will be back next week with Cat's Go Character. Travels with Travels with Travels with Triggs. Who's he gonna talk to now? What's he gonna talk about? Where we gonna go? Travels with Triggs. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. Next time on Ask Me Another, it's our 2020 office holiday Zoom party. And stopping by is Grammy-nominated musician Andrew Bird. He chats about his new holiday album, Hark. Plus, making their radio debut are the NPR Christmas Carols. That's right, three women who work at NPR named Carol sing. So join me on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions. Sunday morning at 11 on Radio Catskill. Sound familiar? And why, for the past 275 years, do audiences jump to their feet whenever, wherever those chords are sounded? Handel's Messiah, a soulful celebration with our special guest, pianist, singer, composer, Daryl Tukes, on The Janice Adams Show. Saturday at 4. Support comes from the Homestead School, Lens Bay, New York. Montessori education and life skills for preschool through 8th grade on an 85-acre campus with farm animals. Award-winning solar-powered alternative since 1978. Homesteadschool.com Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store. Featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering. Now offering takeout. NeversinkGeneralStore.com And from listeners like you. WJFF, Jeffersonville, W233.